Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Friends, good morning. So I know um, I've shared in different contexts and different you know, homilies, talks here throughout the past few years, different parts of my story of how like, the Lord broke into my life. It was my junior year of high school. It was my junior year of high school. I had a huge crush on this girl. The Lord knows how to bait the hook. I'm just saying that. I had this huge crush on this girl, and she invited me to a, a planning meeting for the first fall retreat back in... Uh, it was at my home parish. It was, 20, it was 2005. And um, anyway, it was within that context that that's where I met Jesus. All I know to say about how I'm a priest today is because that night, somehow, the Lord broke into my life. So I met the Lord. I met the Lord it, in, in this context. And what happened as a result of that is I just became utterly enamored with like, it was like a love at first sight moment of, of this person is now in my world and now I want to know everything there is to know about him and this church, and this faith, and all these things, and I was so blessed at the time to have so many amazing adults, these volunteers who were uh, core team members at Life Teen at St. Mary's, who were just amazing mentors, people who were like there, like boots on the ground with answers for all my questions. I had so many questions. I had so, so many questions. I, had, I, had, I still have them. They're just journals filled with questions that I wanted to know everything about all of this, and um, one, of the, one of those people in particular, her name is Beth Davis. Beth Davis was the first, first, first youth minister at St. Mary's in Hudson. And uh, like Beth could see this like burning passion in my heart. And uh, so she gave me this huge stack, this huge box of theology books that I just began to devour. Just wanting to read everything and understand all of it. And I was just plowing through these books. And, and one of the authors that I, I, I came across in these books was Dr. Scott Hahn, which I know a lot of us know. Dr. Scott Hahn, who's down in Steubenville. And one book in particular that made a huge impact on me was Scott Hahn's book, uh, The Lamb's Supper. The Lamb's Supper. So Scott Hahn, if you don't know who he is, he's, uh, he, he was formerly a Presbyterian minister, vehemently anti-Catholic, thought the Pope was the Antichrist, that kind of anti-Catholic, right? Anyway, his, it was his love of Scripture that actually led him into the Catholic Church, seeing that the only place where this makes sense is the Catholic Church. So anyway, The Lamb's Supper amazing book. In that book, he, he, he details this story of when he went to his first Mass. So he goes to this basement chapel on the campus of Marquette University for just a daily Mass, and he says he went there, he wasn't planning on participating, he wasn't going to stand or sit or say any words, he wasn't going to sing, he just was going to sit there and observe. And he brings his Bible, he sits it down on the pew next to him, and what he related about that experience is what really changed my life. He said it was what he saw, especially as the Eucharistic liturgy began to unfold, what he saw was how in front of him, unfolding around him through the signs, the symbols, the gestures, the, the ritual, the liturgy itself, what was unfolding around him, he said it was like watching the Bible spring to life. It was watching this, this 2D book pop into the, this three, third dimension, like a pop-up book. It was all happening around him. It was all happening around him. In particular, he relates the detail of when the church begins chanting the Agnus Dei, Agnus Dei, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God, Lamb of God, Lamb of God, grant us peace. He said his mind was racing a million miles a minute and his mind went to the book of Revelation where in 
29 times in just a span of few chapters, Jesus is hailed as the Lamb of God. We're caught up in the throne room witnessing this wedding banquet, which is heaven, right? And then all of a sudden, here's the priest say, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. And he says, My mouth began to water in this longing for the Eucharist. Like, I share that story because, like, reading that story, when I was like a junior, senior of high school, reading that story, it was such a pivotal insight for me in my own journey because, like, seeing how, like, everything that is contained in the Scriptures, like, all of Jesus' interactions, everything that he did, from touching people's hearts and lives, from performing miracles, to, like, his incarnation, his quiet slipping into creation, to, like... His miraculous presence, his passion, his death, his resurrection, all of these things, like all of that, all of that is available and accessible to us in and through the Mass. Like the liturgy is where we get access to the living Jesus. Like it's almost as if our God somehow like took Jesus' entire existence, his whole humanity from a single-celled zygote in Mary's womb to his glorious ascension and sitting at the right hand of the Father, it's as if God took all of Jesus' existence, his dwelling amongst us, and condensed it down all into the church's liturgy. Like, it's all this densely accessible human experience. Like, if you, like you want to be fed by Jesus, like the 5,000, like come to Mass. If you want to hear him preaching and speaking, Come to Mass. If you want to be there, like at the Annunciation, witnessing heaven coming, crashing to earth, the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, come to Mass. If you want to witness miracles and healing, come to Mass. If you want to see what it's like when Jesus touches our humanity, your humanity, come to Mass. If you want to be there at Calvary, if you want to stand outside the empty tomb, if you want to be caught up and see him in the throne room, come to Mass. Like, the Mass is where it's all available. It's all here. It's all here. And in this particular weekend for us, the church lifts up this beautiful gospel, this encounter that Jesus has with this leper. And we hear this cry coming out of the heart of this man, this leper. And his cry, his cry is meant to be our cry, right? His statement to Jesus, if you will it, you can make me clean, becomes on our lips, Lord, only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Like, do you see the connection between these two? Do you see the resonance? Do you see how they're related? It's the same cry. It's the same cry. Friends, what I'm, kind of, what I'm trying to get to is that we, we need to see how this story that Deacon Rich just proclaimed, how this story is our story. How this encounter that just unfolded for this unnamed leper, it's, it's, that's what's happening here. It's meant to be our encounter as well. So let me just dive into this story briefly. The gospel begins, Deacon proclaimed it, the gospel begins by saying just very simply, a leper came to Jesus. A leper came to Jesus. And we have to pause right there because... Like, I, I don't know about you, but, like, I don't have a lot of experience with lepers. Maybe you do. I don't know. I've never met a leper. I have no 
intellectual framework context to understand what that even means. I've never met a leper. That's why we have a problem at the outset, because it's like, I don't know how this even touches into my experience. Leprosy is one of those diseases that's just not really so much around anymore. Thanks be to God, that list of incurable, you know, diseases is getting smaller and smaller. But so leprosy, the technical name, of course, is Hansen's disease. It's a bacterial infection that's horrible, that obviously at the time of Jesus was incurable. It was your flesh slowly rotting. You were slowly decaying. It was like a living death. It was a living death unimaginable suffering. And as a result of the severity of leprosy, the incurability of leprosy, the Mosaic law has an equally severe and unimaginable response, right? That's what we heard in that first reading from Leviticus, which, by the way, like I, so in Leviticus, what you hear are the, the, like the job description of the Old Testament priests. And I'm just so glad that the Old Testament priesthood is not what the New Testament priesthood looks like. It's like you were like offering sacrifice and also running like a dermatology clinic at the same time. It's just pustules and scabs. People who go like to read through the Bible, they start in Genesis. They're like, okay, I got this. And they get to Exodus, the story of the, you know, deliverance from Egypt. And then they get to Leviticus and it's just scabs and pus. And you're like, nah, I'm done. I don't like the Bible. Skip ahead, right? It's nasty. It's nasty. But anyway, anyway, so as a result of the disease, as a result of the, of the disease, it required a severe response. You were effectively cut off. You were exiled. You were exiled until the disease took its course and took your life. That's what happened. Like, we can't imagine the horror. We can't imagine the isolation. We, I mean, it says at the end of that reading, and you dwelt alone dwelt alone. It's, it's like a living hell. You are living in a living hell if you had this disease. So that was this man's fate who comes to Jesus. So back to us, right? We have no direct experience with lepers, so we can't, we can't really picture it. So what we kind of do is we kind of piece together an image in our minds. This guy has some type of skin issue, some type of disease. It's probably pretty bad, and we, like, he's coming to Jesus, and we hear him say this, right? If you will it, you can make me clean. And what we think that he's saying is basically, if you want, you can fix me. But that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. Like, the whole concept of clean versus unclean, it, the biblical idea is it's so complex, and it would require like a, a graduate-level semester course to unpack it more fully, but just suffice it to say for this morning, what this, leper, what this leper was begging Jesus to do is not just simply fix me. He was basically saying, restore me. Restore me. Restore me to life. Restore me to relationships. Restore me to hope. Restore me to connection. Restore me to love. That's what he's begging. So where do we fit into this story? How is this our encounter this morning? Let me start with this. Because, because I love you and because I've been given such a privilege of walking with so many of you and knowing so many of your hearts and your stories, I just know that like in the church here this morning, every single one of us, there are things in our lives, things that are happening that we wish were otherwise. 
Every single one of us, there's something going on in some capacity to a greater or lesser severity where we wish it were otherwise. If God gave us the magic wand and said, here, you can just make some things disappear. We know exactly what we would make disappear. For some of us, it's, it's a medical issue that just is brutal, that desperately wanting it to go away, or maybe it's relationship struggles with a parent or a sibling or a child that we just wish would be fixed, we just wish would be healed, or maybe it's vocational stuff. Like, I'm just, I just want, Lord, just bring someone into my life that I can love and start a family with. Or maybe it's the, the grief associated with something that was so beautiful, falling apart, divorce, or separation. Like, I Lord, I just wish that you could fix this and I would have my old life back. And let me say this. Does Jesus sometimes act in a singular way? in a miraculous way that's utterly unexplainable and overcome these things. Yes, I've seen it. I, I know people who've experienced instantaneous healing. I know people who've experienced lifelong addictions that in a single moment, it's like it's just gone. He does do that occasionally. But here's the thing. It's so, it's so easy to get Jesus wrong that we can think we can think incorrectly that Jesus is a fixer. He's a fixer. Like, this is why I think that he asked that man after he healed him to keep this quiet, because it's just so easy to get a misconstrued idea that he's just here to simply genie away, bibbidi-bobbidi, fix my life. That's not who he is. Yes, he is the divine physician, but like, Every analogy limps, and this analogy in a particular way limps because, like, yes, he heals, but, like, the point of going to a physician, you don't go to the doctor so that you can keep going to the doctor, right? Like, ideally, you go to the doctor so that you never have to go to the doctor again. You don't want to need a relationship with the doctor. None of us want that, like, unless you're married to a doctor. I don't know, right? That's a different story. You're like, hey, I'm a doctor. You're a doctor, right? You go to the doctor so that ideally you don't need to go back to there. But Jesus, Jesus, as the divine physician, he's not a fixer. He doesn't, he doesn't heal us like that. He doesn't want to heal you in such a fundamental way that you're left thinking, I don't need you. Because that, friends, would be more detrimental than the thing that we're struggling with. Because the condition for our flourishing, our freedom, our holiness, our happiness is being in relationship with him. Holy, holy people need him more. Growing in holiness is a growing awareness of how deep the need goes. The need doesn't go away, it just gets deeper. So this visible sign of leprosy that we have in this gospel, what is that a sign of? What is the leprosy that we've all come to Mass with this morning? It's not the problem. It's not the thing that you wish would just be fixed and go away. It's whatever your secrets are. That's what, you're the, the, that's what the leprosy is. There are a lot of secrets in church this morning. There's a lot of secrets in this parish. Because there's a lot of secrets in every human heart. There's stuff that we bury. There's stuff that we hide. 
because we're convinced, we're convinced that if this or that thing was known about us, if that, if I was really known, then we'd be cut off, exiled, abandoned, treated like a leper. I'm talking about shame. Like, shame is different than guilt, friends. Guilt says, like, I've done something wrong for which I need to atone. Shame says, and shame is always spoken by the voice of the enemy. Shame is trying to lay claim to our identity. Shame says, there is something fundamentally flawed about you, untreatable about you. There's something fundamentally broken, unlovable, rejectable in you. You carry something that is a liability to love and relationships and connection. And by God, keep it buried and hidden. Keep it secret. Like this, friends, is the hidden leprosy that all of us, that the human race carries. And let me say this. I'll be a priest this May, eight years. And I've heard thousands upon thousands upon thousands of confessions at this point. And what so many people fear about us priests hearing confessions, it's, it's just not entirely true. Like, no, we don't remember your, what you say in the confessional. Like, it's not as though, like, here's why, here's why. One, the line is like a thousand miles long on Saturdays. Okay, that's part of it. But two, sin is so boring. It's the least interesting part about you. Like, there, there's never a day, it's not like, you know, priests are like, like, I go back to the rectory and, and, you know, afterwards it's like, dear diary, I heard a really juicy one today. Holy cow. You know, like, that's not what I do. It's not worth remembering. It's not worth remembering. But what I do remember, what does stand out are the moments when folks, after years of bearing their hidden shame, bearing this hidden leprosy, they finally work up the courage to do what Jesus commanded this leper to do. Did you catch it? Go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. When someone actually lets themselves be seen naked, unvarnished in all of the mess that they've made, so convinced, so convinced that after I expose it, after I say it, I'm going to be condemned. And I get to feel what wells up in Jesus' heart, which is you are not who you think you are. You are extraordinary. You are so beautiful. You are so good. And I'm so sorry that this is a part of your story. It was never meant to be this way. And Jesus says, all I've ever wanted is for you to finally let your guard down, to let the walls down, and for you to let me love you right here. Because it's that that causes the repentance, to be touched by a love that doesn't make sense to us. So friends, here's the deal. The same Jesus who looked at this leper overflowing with compassion and mercy and tenderness is in fact looking at you in this mass. He's come to each of you and to me and his eyes are on our heart and he's saying the one thing. He's saying, like, will you let me love you? Will you let me love you? His desire is for us to experience his overwhelming love. Like, that's what this leper experienced. And I get it. Like, is it any wonder, is it any wonder that he couldn't stop talking about Jesus? Is it any wonder? I encountered this man whose love restored me, whose love saw me, 
whose love reached out to me and restored me. Friends, may this be, may this be the story of our parish. May this be your story. May this, may this be the story of our parish, that this would be a parish that is touched deeply by the love of Jesus, and then we just can't shut up about it. Amen.